You're listening to the Your Knee, Your Health podcast. I'm your host, Adam Rosen. I'm a fellowship-trained, board-certified orthopedic surgeon who specializes in knee replacement. Here I'll talk to you about common knee complaints and other orthopedic issues. We'll cover other important health-related topics, all of which are meant to helpfully answer some of your questions and help improve the quality of your life. Thanks for listening, and on with the next episode. Hello, welcome back. This is Adam Rosen. You're listening to the Your Knee, Your Health podcast. So I wanted to um, make a few episodes, uh, sort of a spin-off uh, series of episodes of this podcast uh, that I call OR Confidential, uh, Confessions of a Millennial Surgeon. I have another number of topics that um, I think would be of interest to people. Um, so I'm going to do my best just to offer you um, some insight from the inside the late Anthony Bourdain um, wrote a book called Kitchen Confidential, um, if you're not aware of it. And you know, he really opened the eyes of, of many people about what goes on behind that door in the kitchen. And there um, was some negative backlash about it and towards him. Um, but there were also some positives uh, from everything that I've seen and read and heard uh, that really changed things for the better. So... Um, this is a fine line and a narrow precipice that I would walk on offering this information, you know, and um, it's uh, something I hope that uh, is looked at more in a positive sense um, than a negative sense, but something that I think is um, worthwhile nonetheless. So um, this topic that I wanted to talk about actually um, kind of spurred my thought process because I read an article um, not too long ago by Dr. Charles DeCook, and he was talking about how to run an efficient operating room uh, and run um, 12 surgeries by noon. And there was a statement in it, um, or a sentence in it, that really sort of caught my eye. And, and what he said was, quote, the general public would be aghast if they knew that often surgeons and staff who had never worked together before start doing cases together for the first time, end quote. And I think that was like a very rude awakening for a lot of people because I think people think that, you know, they go in and it's this like well-oiled machine. Um, and that is the case sometimes. Um, I had the great pleasure of training with um, who I think is probably the most uh, or one of the most efficient surgeons in the world, um, so just to give you an example of, of how he ran his operating rooms, and he ran multiple rooms, and that's even a topic for another, another discussion, but um, he would come to the sink in the morning and to wash his hands, to scrub his hands, uh, and then he would enter the room uh, to get gowned and gloved. Now, before that occurred, uh, anesthesia saw, saw the patient, patient was under anesthesia, a team had set up the room with all of the instruments and implants, um, the team members were all scrubbed in. And the patient was on the table ready for surgery. And this was timed appropriately where, you know, he scrubbed his hands, he walked in, got his gloves and gown on, picked up the knife and began his operation and went through the operation. And then he would throw some stitches to start closing, leave the room while the team that was in there would finish closing the wound, putting on the dressings, waking the patient up from anesthesia, getting them off to the recovery room. And then a team would come in to turn over the room which is cleaning and mopping, getting all that used stuff out of there, washing, sterilizing stuff, bringing new drapes and instruments, 
getting the room set up for that next case. All the while, he had walked back out to that same sink, scrubbed his hands, and in another room was another team with another patient ready for that surgery. He would wash his hands, walk into that room, pick up the knife, do a procedure, throw a few stitches, and walk back out to that same sink. And at this point, we were back in that first room, now with his third patient of the day, and this would continue back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Now, it was not just a surgeon running two rooms. It was an efficient team. It was a team that knew every part of that operation, every step, every movement. Uh, and this has been studied. So in, in Dr. DeCook's article, he even goes on to quote um, these two papers, um, one that looked at what's called turnover time. So that time that it takes to turn the room over for the next case. And if you have a non-dedicated staff, they were clocking it at about 31 minutes. And if it was a dedicated staff, 20 minutes, so 11 minutes faster. Now, in reality, if you talk to most people, there's hospitals where a turnover could take an hour. Um, So that's a big deal. And even if you extrapolate that out, I mean, that's 20 minutes difference. 11 minutes may not sound like a lot, but 22 might sound a little bit more important. Um, But in any event, it definitely is faster. There was also another study that he quoted in his article that looked at just surgical times and that surgical times were 10 minutes less if you have a dedicated team. Um, And I can vouch for that because I actually went through and, and looked at the steps that I perform in a knee replacement, me personally, with my hands. So every move with the knife, positioning of the leg, saw, drill, sizing guide, calipers, trial, implants, cement, all of that, 90 steps. And I looked at how many steps each my first and second assist are doing at that table, and they each do about 35 steps. So imagine if I'm doing my 90 and I have two people that I've never worked with, that's 70 extra steps. So it's almost twice as much work for each surgery. And that doesn't even include the circulating nurse who is important in the room of making sure that we have all the things at the right time and things are moved around. And then also a scrub tech, which is even more important in some sense because of the complexity and the speed with which they have to move. It's a dance. And when I have my team I don't even have to look away from the knee because I can put my hand back and that scrub knows what the next step is. He's taking instrument A out of my hand and putting instrument B in. All the while, the first or second assist might be moving a retractor um, for what I need to see or visualize to do the next step. And then at some point, we might need irrigation to wash the wound. The nurse knows when to shift and move the next bag. They know when to move the next... um, instruments set up to do the cement, if we're hooking it up to suction, things like that, if we're doing a surgery where we need an x-ray, they know exactly what part of the case to call for x-ray to give x-ray a heads up time to be in the room when we need them, not to have us standing there for 10 or 15 minutes waiting for them. So there's a lot of stuff, a lot of moving parts. You know, and you look at Ford and you look at his assembly line, you know, you get this machine running efficiently. Everybody has their role. Everybody has their purpose. Nobody is working individually. It works very, very well. Um, Airline pilots, even a pre-flight checklist. I don't care if you have 50,000 hours, they're still going through the same pre-flight checklist because they're doing everything in a way that everybody is used to. They can duplicate it. They can prevent errors from happening. And that was even interesting. There was a study I just saw recently, and they talked about this term called inattention blindness. And it was the idea that you can make a mistake because your attention is 
taken away from this other part of what you're supposed to be focusing on. Um, and I can attest to this. I mean, in the operating room, you know, if I have my team, I have a lot of faith, but they're always giving me something and I'm always double checking. If you have someone that doesn't work in the room and we're doing a right knee and they hand you up an instrument that's set up for a left knee, you know, I have to look at that and and then pause and then change it. But again, that is then distracting my brain from the task at hand because I, I've made this stop and this pause and this change. And if you make multiple steps like that throughout a case, there's a greater risk of error. And this has become more of an issue around the country. And I've heard from a lot of people because if, if you're not aware, people are leaving healthcare in droves. So now you have people that have not just left job A and gone to job B, they have left healthcare altogether. And hospitals are paying huge, huge rates hourly for people to come and people are traveling. So you're now having traveling staff members showing up at a hospital for a three or six month stint. They're getting paid, you know, two, three, maybe more than what they were making at their home hospital. But they're not used to the surgeons. They're not used to the procedures. They're not used to the steps. You know, what is done in Hospital A on the West Coast may not be done in Hospital B on the East Coast. It might be the same surgery, but it might be done with completely different instruments or in a different order, different fashion. There might be just a different style of how the the room is set up or what instruments they're used to using to perform each particular step. So it's a relearning process, which then again goes back to the earlier statement of time and efficiency, um, but then also that second point of the idea of inattention blindness. So I sort of liken it to um, a famous dance couple. You know, if you have a famous dance couple, everybody, you know, oohs and ahs because every movement is purposeful. They flow across the dance floor. You know, they've gotten high marks and won all the awards because as a team, they just look like one. But if you take one of them and you pair them up with a novice, all of a sudden, even though they might lead that person through it, there's stumbles and there's missteps. And although you might get to the end of the song or the end of the number, it is never as smooth or as fluid as it is when they're paired up with their natural partner who they've had all their experience with. So just my two cents on, you know, things that uh, we're aware of and things that we're, that we're looking at and things that we're looking for and things that are important in the operating room. I'm Adam Rosen. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. Thanks for listening to the Your Knee, Your Health podcast. If you've not already done so, please subscribe so you'll be notified of future episodes. And if you enjoy what you're hearing, please take the time to leave a review. It helps other people like you find the show. I'm your host, Adam Rosen, and until next time, stay safe.